there, all you partridges in pear trees. Welcome back for another week of A Little Greener, your podcast all about nature, conservation, and sustainability. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Sarah. I'm here tonight with Casey, as always. Casey, we just got to chat a little bit, but how are you doing this week? I'm doing pretty well. It is unseasonably warm uh, right now. It is like 60 degrees where I'm at, which made me think of you and your Florida weather, uh, which is lovely, but also has that weird, like foreboding, like it's supposed to be winter (laughs) feeling to it. So yeah, I walk outside and I'm like, Oh, uh-oh, like that's yeah. like the series of emotions I have every time, but, um, but I was able to do some yard work today. So that is, uh, at least something productive I could get out of the nicer weather. Um, what about you? How you doing? Well, good for you getting that yard work in. I'm doing well. Yeah. I had a pretty good week. It is also, I guess, unseasonably warm. I don't know anymore what the <laughs> average temperatures are supposed to be down here, but it, we did get into the eighties today, Wow, which feels like it's probably too warm, but <laughs> I'm still in the thankful to be You're out of the Midwest. <laughs> so I enjoyed it and I was indoors most of the day today, but I I've enjoyed it immensely. But, uh, as we talked about last week, it does make it a little harder to, to get into the spirit of the season sometimes too. I'm trying to think of anything particularly interesting that happened this week though and I don't know if I have anything I mean we had some fox friends hanging out again yes yep some mallard ducks um and Canada geese pooping all over my yard Mm. which means that the dog is eating it and we had to treat her for worms because she's gross So, so some good wildlife sightings, but also just a lot of me yanking ginger back, uh, from piles of gooey goose poop. So yet another reason for us all to just destroy our lawns (laughs) to stop attracting the geese. They do love a good lawn. Well, bummer. I hope ginger feels better soon. Uh, she's, she's, we put her on wet food for, she's normally on kibble, Mm -hmm. put her on wet food from the vet to mix in her powder And she just scarfed that stuff down. So I did that for five days in a row for her breakfast. And then the sixth day when she was done with her regiment, she looked down and saw the kibble and was like clearly disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, where is it? No. Don't want (laughs) this anymore. Sorry. Spoiled. (laughs) I can go get worms again so I can get my stuff. Oh, dear. Hey, how was your homework this week? Did you do your homework? So... (laughs) I thought about my homework this week for if you haven't listened to last week's episode, the challenge was to share with us how you are going to green up your gifting this year. So we talked about several things on last week's episode, different ways that you could think about being more eco-friendly in your gift giving process this holiday season. I still have yet to do a darn thing for my holiday gifts this year. As you may or may not know, depending on how long you've been listening, I recently moved. I'm sort of in an interim housing situation right now, getting ready to move again, hopefully a couple of days after Christmas. So 
both so time and money just out of your mind <laughs> have yeah. been at a premium right now as far as that's concerned so probably nobody is getting any gifts from me until january just fyi any family <laughs> that's listening sorry it'll come it'll be late but it does also mean that there is probably going to be very little stuff given by me this year which i feel a little bit sort of selfish and guilty about but hey in terms of the sustainability standpoint probably better. So I would say I'm definitely minimizing the items that I'm giving this okay, year yeah. in favor for either a gift card, which again, recognizing still those indirect costs, but hopefully people more likely to get something they're definitely going to use <laughs> with that uh, option uh, or donations, honorary donations as well, I think is, is what it's going to boil down to for me. How, how's your holiday gifting going? And did you think about what you're going to do? I have thought about it. Um, I have already purchased some items that are mostly going to be green in the wrapping aspect. Once we get a little bit closer to the holiday, I have decided it's not yet time to release the next episode. So I'm going to share a photo of the, um, the dehydrator that I talked about last week yeah. that Andrew received that I wrapped in sort of the Furoshiki style where mm -hmm. it's a fabric wrapping. So I'm going to show that from last year. I took a picture for a reason <laughs> and, um, and so we'll see. We'll probably do it after Christmas. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, it was all about giving green gifts. And Sarah shared with us all sorts of good tips to reduce our waste and our impact when giving gifts to loved ones during the holiday season. Uh, and this week, we're going to stick with that holiday theme, too. We're going to talk about Christmas trees. I'm so excited for this one. <laughs> we actually already got a comment on our Instagram post that, uh, that we made about green gift giving. They were like, Oh yeah, I haven't had a chance to listen yet, but do you talk about trees, which is the greenest? Um, so we're going to talk about those options, yeah. but Sarah, we've talked a little bit about your tree. What kind of ornaments, anything else do you hang on your tree? Do you have like yearly ones every year? What's, what's your Christmas tree vibe? The tree that I don't get to put up this year. Uh, it's evolved over the years for, for, for me personally, I've done some different things. I had some ornaments that people had given me. I had a couple of sets of like Disney ornaments that people had given me yeah. and then just a couple of other sort of random ornaments that I'd collected over the years. And so I would just kind of throw everything up there. But my dog, Murray, he's such a good dog. He's very, it tends to be very docile and non-destructive uh, past couple of weeks, notwithstanding. But one year I'd put up the Christmas tree and it had some of these, uh, just the kind of aluminum or whatever metal ball ornaments mm -hmm. on it. I came home and there was one ornament sitting in his bed, not shattered or anything, but had teeth marks on it. And I was like, oh gosh, like Murray, I'm glad you didn't cut yourself or yes. like, break this whole thing. It just happened once. And I was like, okay. And then it started happening. Like every day I would come home and there would just be one. one He's like, ornament. mom keeps hanging my balls on the tree. I just want to play with them. 
wish that I had video. I didn't have, I don't have any sort of pet monitor or anything like that, but I would have loved to see like, how is he selecting which ornament right. is, is he playing with it? Does he just want to hold it? Cause he doesn't really play with balls. Like he doesn't understand fetch or anything like that. So it was kind of adorable, but at the same time I had to stop putting the ornaments on. Cause I was like, I don't, I don't want him to get hurt. Sure. So now I do not put any ornaments on my tree at all. Oh. I just have the lights and then I do a ribbon. Um, oh, very I, nice. I, it's just, I just have one ribbon and I've used the same one for years up until last year. Cause the dog peed on it. So oh. I, didn't to, <laughs> I didn't have to throw it away, uh, but I will be continuing that the next time I put my tree up as well. So I, it's very I'm, simple, but I really like it. And then I have a star on top. I'm envisioning um, a holiday movie called A Very Murray Christmas, and <laughs> that's the somewhere in the plot there. That perfect. Yes, probably the already. There the probably already is. A I'm movie sure. Yeah. <laughs> what about so. you? What's your tree look like? Or do you and Andrew have have you guys done a tree? Do you? Well, we live with my dad. And now, but um, yeah, I didn't right know like previous years. So last year we did a version of a Christmas tree and I'm going to talk about it a little later in Excellent. the episode because it's kind of outside the main thrust of the episode. But yesterday we actually went to my mom's house for the tree decorating process. Mm -hmm. And we always get a Fraser fir. It has to be tall and thin because the house is not very big. And um, my family has a tradition on my mom's side that the grandparents hand make ornaments every year for the grandkids. And so my mom has ornaments, 18 of them from when she was a baby all the way up to 18. She got her tree topper handmade ornaments. And then my sister and I also have handmade ornaments every year, except for my grandpa didn't want to stop the tradition. So I'm 28. We're still getting <laughs> the That's ornaments so as we sweet. get bigger. It's, it's really, I am appreciating it more and more every yeah. year and definitely have like an emotional sentimental attachment to basically everything that goes on our tree. And there's also a couple like little ones that, Oh, we used to sell at the store or just this, like struck somebody's fancy one year. It was a gift from a family friend, something like that. But we packed that tree. That tree does not have a space for an extra mm -hmm. ornament on it. Um, and then they put ribbon around it, um, at the end, which I don't get, I think you should put ribbon on before the ornaments, but my sister and mom disagreed and said, it's tradition. I can't tell if it's tradition because that's the right way to do it. Or because they always forget till the year at, at the end of the ornaments, but we also reuse that ribbon every year. And so it ends up being pretty spectacular. Uh, part of our homework today is going to be posting a picture of your Christmas tree, uh, Hanukkah bush, whatever sort of decorations you use. We are going to be very focused on people who celebrate Christmas. Um, this is a very like Christmas oriented tradition. So we know there's lots of other holidays going on right now. And I'm going to hopefully touch on that, um, in two weeks from now, just a little bit more about holiday traditions that are not quite so denominational that, that maybe apply to all of us. Cause the season's all about family and giving and all of that. So ways that we can green that up, but today we are going to talk about the greenest Christmas trees. So stay tuned. All right, guys, we are back and we're going to talk about Christmas trees. I do want to make a couple points here. The first is that unfortunately the there's not a lot of like 
peer-reviewed articles that I'm going to be sort of sourcing today. And from what I can tell, not a lot of peer-reviewed articles have been done on Christmas tree impacts, except for by two special interest groups, one of which uh, represents the artificial tree industry, and the other one represents Christmas tree growers. And so you will see different statistics floating around the internet that are so clearly biased towards like the particular people who are paying for the research to be done that, uh, that I, I don't really even like using some of these numbers in here because I'm like, I don't know if that's real. <laughs> so apologies. If there is something else you see out there, most of the articles I could find didn't even cite sources. So I tried to find a robust collection of articles and ones that cited sources or had interviews or things like that. Um, but the number two thing is that I'm weirdly qualified to talk about this subject. I grew up at a garden center. We have sold Christmas trees at least since the seventies. I want to say we don't grow them, but we resell them. And, uh, it's a lot of real ones, but also some artificial ones. And I've decorated so many trees in my life guys. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, but first Sarah, I know you have a Christmas tree and I know you have an artificial Christmas tree. So can you tell us a little bit about what your tree is like? I can, I feel like a, I should be shamed. No, like, no, 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 no. I do. We're, yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it tonight. And I did think long and hard about it before I, I purchased my tree, but yeah, I do. I have a, a hopefully pretty quality tree. I did go in for the balsam hill that you see all those commercials. Are they really the best? I have no idea, but I think it looks pretty <laughs> nice. So I have a seven and a half foot tall Vermont white spruce is the one that I quote unquote. Yes. Yeah, it's what it's called. It's what it's made to look like. And it's one of their like more realistic looking ones. They have different levels of, of trees that you can purchase through them. And yeah, I did just a, a seven and a half foot. It's not pre-lit or anything like that. So I've had it I think this is year five for me okay. now that I've had this tree. Cool. I was surprised to learn that over 80% of American households have an artificial Christmas tree. Growing up on the East Coast, this is apparently where the tradition started and is very strong on the coastal areas. It's much more common than at least it is in other parts of the country to have a real Christmas tree. Um, so I was surprised by the 80% number. What made you decide to get an artificial Christmas tree? Yeah, 80% does feel high to it me too. High. Growing up, we we always had real trees. I didn't have artificial trees growing up. And I loved, I love real Christmas trees. I love the smell. We would go out and cut down our Christmas trees. I enjoyed that whole experience. But for me, the decision to go artificial was just a, a lot of it was situational. I live by myself, lived by myself uh, too, when I, when I bought the tree. And so going to get a tree and thinking about that whole process, regardless of whether I was going to, you know, have to tie something to the top of my car or get something that I could had to shove in just that whole process felt almost not doable by myself for me. It was very daunting. And then at the time I purchased this tree, I was living in Florida then as well. So there's that whole thing. As we've talked about, I love Christmas. I want my tree to be up as long as possible. We would typically put ours up very soon after Thanksgiving, if not on Thanksgiving, uh, growing up in my house. And um, so I just wanted to be able to keep it up 
for as long as I wanted to keep it up. And then having the dog as well, I was concerned that he would be more likely to uh, pee on a real tree. Now he turns <laughs> out he pees on the artificial tree too. Oh, no. So I don't know that that was a, uh, <laughs> needed to be a factor in the decision, but just the, the ability to have something that I would be able to put up and, and take down myself and would be able to keep up as long as possible were probably the biggest factors for me. And again, I was in the conservation education world at the time that I bought this tree. So I knew some at least about the the downfalls of, of artificial trees. And so that is part of the reason that I went with a nicer, a higher end one that I was going to hopefully be able to keep for a while, which I know we'll talk about. Yeah, I think uh, that's a good point that I hadn't thought about um, because putting up the tree is a very family tradition for me. Like and it's the reason that I didn't put up any tree partially because I would generally go home for the holidays, but also like I've talked about it. It's not my, like, I'm, I'm not a super Christmas person. I, I like it. I like the traditions. I get very tired hanging up ornaments because it feels like literal work because that's sometimes what I do at work is hang up yeah. ornaments. <laughs> so like the idea of unboxing ornaments and finding a place on the tree is very like this feels like I should be paid to be doing this instead of like for joy. Um, but like if you live by yourself or if you're someone who has some sort of mobility issues or, you know, you're disabled, that makes sense why you would want something that you could break into pieces and store rather than something you have to haul into your house. Mm -hmm. Also, if you're allergic, I remember I went through pretty tough allergies when I was a kid. My mom talking and considering about not getting a real Christmas tree because she was worried about my allergies. I'm was always railing against the artificial tree, but just because I was so married to the, uh, authenticity of the, uh, the fresh cut Christmas tree, but they are less many messy, uh, artificial trees. You can leave them out a lot longer and you can reuse them year after year. Um, so if you get them on sale, for example, they can be a more cost effective, effective thing than maybe a fresh cut Christmas tree, but you mentioned there are some downsides. What are the downsides of artificial Christmas trees? It's plastic. It's straight up plastic. Surprise. <laughs> Everything's plastic. It's plastic and not recyclable plastic. So the just the end of life for these trees is awful. A lot of times as well, there's the um, the shipping. And I I'm ashamed to say that I didn't do a lot of research into that when I purchased my artificial one, but pretty much all of them 90% from the other <laughs> side of the world. So 90% of artificial Christmas trees are manufactured in China. I believe that's according to the New York times and yeah, they were made out of plastic and then they do have some metal in them, but they are not recyclable. Apparently one guy who helps manufacture them was like, I tried to figure out a way to make them recyclable, but there's too many elements that yeah. are in there that it's just not a recyclable item. So, and being made out of plastic, of course, has a pretty high carbon footprint, right? Like that in itself is made out of fossil fuels. Right. And then the shipping across the world is another whole set. So yes, that is the downsides to artificial Christmas trees from an environmental standpoint. And I mean, the good thing is, is that they, the longer you use them, you can divide that impact over the course of many years. Right. And that can reduce their use. Yeah. That was and my, so, yeah. 
sorry, sorry to interrupt. That was my reasoning when I purchased it. And my, my commitment was at least 10 years. That's what I said. Cause that at the time anyway, that I was researching, that's what they quote unquote right. were saying. That was what most of the, the things that I could find uh, were, were pointing to is that you, if you do get an artificial one, that that's how long you should aim to keep it. Yeah. I, I remember seeing something like, if you keep it 12 years, then it's better than a fresh cut Christmas tree. <laughs> but one of the things that like, it's just never going to have that a fresh cut Christmas tree has is that end of life solution. Yes. Um, so that th- we talk about this sometimes with like plastic versus paper bags, for mm-hmm. example, paper bags might be more resource intensive, but at the end of the day, if the plastic bag's going to stick around in the planet forever, you can't, can't comp- keep doing that. <laughs> right. And we can, we also can't compare like necessarily that's not apples to apples, like a carbon footprint mm-hmm. versus something that wildlife can get tangled up to in, but it like, there's just no solution for that for Christmas trees, at least currently, mm-hmm. um, where there are some options for fresh cut. Um, so weird fact that blew my mind, artificial Christmas trees in the U S predate real Christmas trees. So yeah, really? Right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, the first recorded Christmas tree, um, and I think this is the university of Illinois who, who's saying this was recorded in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. It's German immigrants. German immigrants are the ones who made this tradition very popular and it was made out of wooden blocks. It was like a wooden pyramid and they did lay like evergreen branches over it. Right. And it was in a church. It was in a German church and, uh, and it was made for kids. Like it was a Kind of a, I've never kind of heard this before in my life. I found it in one spot. It is, let me look at it. It is, yep. The University of Illinois Extension Christmas Tree Traditions. And Bethlehem, Pennsylvania is very close to where I live right now. I also think it's very fitting. Um, but it was 1747. So before America was America. <laughs> well, I guess we were America, but we weren't the US. Um, so it was German Moravian Churches settlement in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. So yeah. Can you can you go see it? You should take a field trip, Casey. Oh, I should I will look that up. You this should is see like, if it has a monument. Right? First Christmas tree ever. I did pass the first drinking fountain in the US the other day. It was like out of a spring out of the side of the mountain outside Philadelphia. And it was like first world's first drinking fountain, or at least first drinking fountain in the U S I was like, well, I guess there has to be somewhere, but I didn't expect it to be right here. How interesting. (laughs) Um, so, so yeah, so that's the kind of first recorded one in America, but they do predate all of that by hundreds of years. There's a kind of folklore that Martin Luther, who founded the Protestant movement reformation, that he was the first one to like decorate a Christmas tree. That doesn't seem to be real. It seems to actually have happened after he was alive um, in the 1600s in France, where they decorated paper roses, apples, and candies on trees. And then it was pretty popular in in Europe for a little bit, but it was mostly considered kind of a, a, they say, quaint tradition in the U.S. until the 1800s. And, uh, and that's when Christmas trees became popular in the U S in the 1850s. And yeah, most of it otherwise was practiced amongst German, my peoples, German immigrants (laughs) in in Eastern Pennsylvania. So I thought that was super interesting. Right. So I want to thank the university of Illinois. I'm just checking to see if there's an author on this. It doesn't look like there is an author on this particular one, but thanks for providing that info. Cause it was super interesting. Um, my family always had a real tree growing up. 
do you know where Christmas trees come from? You said that you like would go and and cut your own, right? Yeah. So there, I mean, there were Christmas tree farms. I I don't know a whole lot about it, but yeah, I remember one of the houses that we lived in when I was growing up, there was, they started a Christmas tree farm, like across the street from our subdivision. So we got to kind of see all of the trees growing out there, but yeah, we would go and cut ours from Christmas tree farms. So these are trees that are planted and grown specifically for the purpose of having people come and cut them down. Yeah. I don't want to say it's a common misconception, but maybe if you're, especially if you're younger, maybe this is like trees come from forests and, Mm. um, and originally Christmas trees did come from forests. Apparently in the 1850s, like there was a really big problem with deforestation in Germany. So they started using trees made out of goose feathers that were dyed green. Um, to, that was like some of the, another early artificial Christmas tree that became popularized, not made out of plastic. That didn't happen to like the eighties, really, um, the fifties to the eighties that really things happen, but Christmas tree farms been around a really long time and they're crops. They're not coming from forests in the U S something like 98% of Christmas trees come from Christmas tree farms. So you don't mis- necessarily think of them as a crop because we think of crops as yearly like, oh, every year I go in and harvest my corn and then I plant new corn. Um, they are generally a eight to 10 year crop. My dad said it's a very weird business for people to be in because yeah. you, like you are trying to anticipate demand eight years down the line. And so this year there's actually a Christmas tree shortage in the US, which I think partially has to do with weathered patterns. But also if you think about the US 10 years ago, we were still coming back from the great recession. And so less Christmas trees were planted. And so there's just not as many around that are the, the right size. There's plenty of trees. They're just right. not the right size. What a hard thing I never <laughs> right. thought about that. It's kind of wild. Uh, the biggest producers of Christmas trees, um, the top two are Oregon and North Carolina. And um, Pennsylvania has the third largest amount of Christmas tree farms in the U.S. I found that out not doing this part uh podcast research, but <laughs> doing my other job. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, they tend to grow according to the New York times. They tend to grow on hillsides where other crops are not as well suited to. And for every tree harvested, typically more than one is planted in its place, which makes sense because you have to account for a certain amount of mortality in small trees. And also like, if you're hoping that people are still going to be doing Christmas trees, you're thinking that the population's going to grow. You're going to need more trees in the future. Right. There are some environmental downsides to it, which is that it's as any crop with agriculture, it's a monoculture. Like typically it's one, maybe two or three types of trees being grown in a big area. Um, they may be treated with pesticides or other chemicals. You just don't have to worry about things like pests getting into there, whether that be bugs or deer, for example, um, in Pennsylvania, we tend to have more deer than I would consider carrying capacity in a lot of areas, but they, they are looking for foods, but in an age when so much of our land is being developed into commercial or housing developments, it's kind of cool that a tree crop is taking the place there because even though they're not adding the biological diversity of forest, they are performing a certain amount of carbon sink that trees naturally do. They're still sucking carbon out of the atmosphere and that's really cool. <laughs> we grow trees on purpose. Thanks, Christmas trees. Yay. Okay. So practically speaking, though, we talked about it a little bit. What is, what's the downside of having a real Christmas tree, fresh cut Christmas tree? 
so they, they don't live as long, which is a sad thing for me. They can make a mess. They can be difficult to acquire and put up depending on your situation. They can be issues for pets, whether it's you're like me and worried about the dog, or I know people will have cats that climb up into them, yep. knock them over, try <laughs> to baby eat them, yeah. whatever. LT was always really good with the Christmas tree. That's good. But yeah, so lots of things like that. And and then of course, also just what you were talking about too, the fact that it, it is a monoculture, it is still going to take up space, but yeah, in terms of in terms of the actual practicalities of having a tree, I'd say those are the big ones. And uh, one of the challenges with Christmas, real fresh cut Christmas trees. So we're talking about like I don't know if people listening in other countries have this tradition, but basically what happens normally is like there's a Christmas tree farm. Sometimes they invite people to come, like families, to come and chop down their own Christmas tree with an axe and we'll drill a hole in it. And sometimes you'll have that Christmas tree farm cut all the trees themselves and then ship it to generally pretty local retailers. Like our trees came from Pennsylvania, New York, and Virginia, which is pretty close nearby. Like we're not talking about much more than a six hour drive and you that you chop them down and then they're basically displayed on pegs. You take them home, you make a fresh cut, you make sure they have water. And it's kind of like having a vase of flowers, but like yeah. the biggest vase of flowers that you yeah. could have and you keep it as long as you can. And hopefully it doesn't dry out pro tips. Do not put it near your heater. <laughs> do not put a fan on it because one of the issues is that they're going to desiccate. They're going to lose the water through their mm-hmm. needles. Um, it's normal to see needle drop because they are evergreens, which do drop their needles in the winter, but also they are dead. So yes. nice to them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you want to just make sure they consistently have water or the bottom will kind of seal up. And then that kind of dooms your Christmas tree, but you want to make sure you're only getting like one Christmas tree, right? Like this is still a crop with an impact. So having many, many Christmas trees, even if they're fresh cut, it's not necessarily like a great thing for the environment. We got to, <laughs> You got two, really? For not all of my childhood, but um, for a few years there, we did get two Christmas trees. So we had like a nice one in our living room and the one with all of the family ornaments on like in our family room den. And and they were real, right? They were both real. Yeah. um, If disposed of properly, one of the statistics I found said that a real Christmas tree has um, like 7.7 pounds of CO2 associated with it, which is really small. And apparently if you, I'm sorry, I don't have a source on this, but when you buy Valentine's roses, for example, they are generally shipped in from South America. Your rose bouquet has a higher CO2 imprint than that Christmas tree. So there are lots of other ways that you can alter (laughs) your lifestyle to account for your consumption of Christmas trees. So yeah, I I never bought anybody. (laughs) (laughs) There are other things, you know, like this is not, this is not a make or break. This is one of the reasons why I get frustrated with posts that are like, um, about to ruin your holidays by talking about all of the, the issues with it. Like we are living on planet earth. We are having a an imprint Christmas trees overall, especially the real fresh cut ones, very low carbon footprint compared to most other things we do. And 
especially if it's an important holiday tradition, do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I think again, our goal here tonight is to just share with you, share what the options are so you can make an informed decision and That's right. do what works for you and try to do it in the most responsible manner possible. Yeah. And so the, the worst actual like carbon in, imprint part of fresh cut Christmas trees is when they are disposed of improperly. So did you guys have like a tradition of how to get rid of your Christmas trees or did yours get picked up in the trash? They got picked up. Yeah. I, and I don't remember well enough cause I was not responsible for it at the time. (laughs) And I didn't know enough about it at the time. Um, so I don't remember if there were, cause I think some areas will have like a special Christmas pickup and I don't Christmas tree pickup. And I don't know if they're all just going to the landfill too, or if some places maybe do have Christmas tree pickups where they will, um, mulch them or, or anything like that. But yeah, we would just put ours out with the trash. That's I, I didn't find any statistics on this, but that's probably the most common way that people are getting rid of them. They're throwing mm-hmm. them out. The problem with that is even though you're like, they're biodegradable, it'll be fine. It's the same thing with food waste. When we throw them in the landfill, they're generally in an oxygen poor environment and they release methane, which is just terrible. <laughs> um, and so if you don't put your tree in the landfill, your carbon footprint of your tree is 80% less than if you put wow. it in the landfill. So don't put it in the landfill. There are other options for it. Um, so our store, and I don't think we ever did this for like carbon footprint reasons because this has been around as long as I I can remember, but I'm very happy we do it is we would offer a rebate. People would bring their trees back. We would make wood chips out of them, put them through the chipper. And then we would give people a gift certificate to the store that they could spend in the next six months. It was a good way to make sure people were coming into a garden center in January and February when people don't want to go to a garden center, but it really reduced the carbon footprint of our Christmas tree production. It's a great win-win. That's a great win-win. So if you have a local place that you want to get your Christmas trees from, like they might offer that option, or you could talk to them about that being an option too. When you turn it into mulch, it contributes to the soil structure. It helps improve survival rates for plants. And then the carbon is sequestered through the roots. We watched kiss the ground in an (laughs) earlier episode, sequestered into the ground, um, which is a really good place for it to be rather than don't burn it. Um, even though that doesn't have as much methane production, that still just releases all the carbon and in back into the atmosphere. So it's kind of a net zero. Definitely don't burn it in your fireplace, according to these articles, because they are super sappy. So I guess it releases some stuff that can be bad for your chimney or the other option is you can leave it outside. If you've got a yard big enough backyard habitat. Yeah. You just throw it out there. Trees fall down. They decompose naturally and animals use them in the way that they do and fungi and other plants. So you could do it that way. If you've got a yard that that wouldn't be just like your whole yard is a dead Christmas tree sitting there. Um, that's a, a great way to do that. That's something someone's like, Oh, actually I leave mine out for the birds. And I'm like, that's okay. You can bring back the slip. We'll still give you the rebate, but that's a great way to use your tree afterwards. Just don't use it in the landfill. Um, and if you don't have those options available to you, there's a lot of municipal departments in cities that will come and take your Christmas tree or will accept your Christmas tree to do the same thing to compost or chip them. And if you go on earth 911, you can actually search 
the places local to you. So I did it. And, um, cause our store didn't accept just Christmas trees off the street. It had to be bought at our store. Mm-hmm. Um, or that would have been a lot of work. Like, it's not something we would make money off of per se. Right. It was just something to help drive business and, and reduce waste. But there were a lot more places than I thought there were. So there was a lot of local options for me and I don't live in a big city. Yeah. Earth 911 is a great resource for any recycling type yes. thing too. You can search whatever. So yeah, that's cool that you can do Christmas trees on there. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. I saw it in an article. So thanks sources. <laughs> um, okay. So that's, this is kind of down to the crux of the question. Yes. What, what is, is better? the greenest Christmas tree? What is the greenest Christmas tree? And, and if you're like, there are other Christmas trees, we're going to talk about those in a second, but that's never what people are talking about. Like <laughs> some people will be like, the greenest Christmas tree is no Christmas tree at all. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about artificial versus fresh cut. What's the greenest Christmas tree? So the best case scenario, greenest Christmas tree is a fresh cut Christmas tree bought from a local area that you enjoy for the holidays and then either leave it outside for backyard wildlife or dispose of it to get chipped or composted. That is the greenest. Okay. That's tier one. That's tier one. At least in my opinion, I'm sure there's someone out there who's like, actually, if you do the math, but let's, let's be real. We're not using the same types of fossil fuels involved in it. This, this tree is not going to exist for eternity that a problem that can never be solved with artificial trees. Yes. Um, and so, yes, maybe if you use your, your artificial tree for many, many years, the carbon footprint outweighs the, the locally bought tree. It, it's still going to be around forever. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I agree 100%. And coming from somebody who, like I said, made that decision anyway, I, right. I would absolutely agree with you. But but like you brought up some really great practical concerns to have. Like if it is not a feasible thing for you to have a real tree in your house, whether it's from like an affordability aspect, because there's a shortage this year, tree prices have gone up. It is a variable crop, just like milk prices change and gas prices change. Christmas tree prices change. If you get your artificial Christmas tree on sale one year after Christmas and you keep it for as long as you possibly can, maybe that's what you can do. So if you currently have an artificial Christmas tree, the next greenest option is to keep it as long as possible. So do you have like specific care things you do for your Christmas tree, Sarah? Nothing too crazy. It just, I have storage bags that came with it. So I just make sure to store it properly is really the biggest thing. Struggling a little bit with the dog situation, (laughs) figuring out how to clean it appropriately. So, but it hasn't been too bad. Like it's, I have just been kind of wiping it down and trying to clean it off well before I put it away. And so far, at least from two years ago to last year, didn't seem to have any lingering smells or anything like that. So yeah, really it's just the storage for me. Keep it looking nice keep it looking nice. Um, there's some great websites that tell you how to clean Christmas trees, artificial ones. So it's really just a little bit of like detergent and, Mm -hmm. um, maybe a microfiber cloth to get into some of those areas. But yes, if you put it in a place that has fluctuating temperatures and humidity, there's a possibility that your tree is going to discolor, especially if it has some other elements on it, which we'll talk about in a second. 
And, uh, and yeah, just keep it safe and protected, put it in those bags, try and follow the instructions from the company you get it from mm-hmm. They're, I was going to say they're, they're the experts. And then I thought they're also incentivized for you, to <laughs> again. but just try and, and, and be nice to your tree, make some yeah. common sense choices to keep it as long as possible. If it doesn't fit in that box. Don't sit on the box, you know, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be my move. Um, if you are purchasing a new one pick a high quality one. So that's Sarah, something you did, right? Yep. You picked one that may have been a bigger investment, but looks very realistic. And that's actually what some of the things I saw recommended. You want the realistic ones. I don't know if you know the ones, like basically if you look at it from like 10 feet away and you're like, is that a Christmas tree from the farm? That's a pretty good tree. And it has needles that are going to last longer. The alternative is like the ones that have basically little strips of plastic that are wrapped around wire that are like the branches that you just kind of like move around. I especially see them nowadays. Like I don't see as many full-size trees that look like that because I think people really prefer the realistic looking ones, but there's a lot of miniature ones that look like that. Especially ones that are like, I don't know, silver, like they're very artificial looking intentionally. They don't last as long. And as someone who has unboxed many of them from China, (laughs) just coming across the ocean, they are just not that high quality. Like they, they fall apart. I have repaired them myself. It's not going to last forever. If, if you've got the smaller ones, there's probably some alternatives that you can go with rather than the ones that are the really thin straps of uh, strips of plastic. Cause they're also really hard to store. Um, cause you have to like basically full size, put them in boxes most of the time. I do feel like most, I mean, and I haven't been looking now in several years, but I feel like most of the ones that you're going to find at the sort of box stores are those. The nice ones. Are. are oh, actually the bad ones? Not. Yeah. Like if. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, just take a look around see what you can find out there. See if you can find a deal on something a little nicer. Yeah. You want one that doesn't feel like confetti. It actually feels like something substantial, like toy material, basically. Someone brought this up in our comments on Instagram. Hey, thank you so much. You're right. Don't buy pre-lit Christmas trees, (laughs) please. I have seen so many Christmas trees get thrown out because a strand of lights no longer works on them. Get one that's not lit. Or if you're going to get a pre-lit one, be prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Fix it decide just to put normal lights when the regular ones break. (laughs) This, uh, it is a pet peeve of mine. I hate, hate, hate pre-lit Christmas trees. They last like two years max and then something goes wrong. And then that is that why I opted not to get one again, not strictly for the sustainability aspect of it, but yeah, I didn't want to, I didn't want to deal with it when the lights burnt out, but yeah, that's, if you think about it, if we've, what, all we've said is to keep these artificial trees for as long as you can, getting a pre-lit one makes that harder to do. Exactly. Also like, Hey, maybe I'm a very classical white lights on the Christmas tree person, but you might want to change it up one year. Maybe right. you're getting one that's where well, you want the colored lights or whatever. You want one that you're going to also appreciate over time. Um, and so one of the things I would also say is avoid flocking. Do you know what flocking is, Sarah? Is that the the white stuff? It's the fake snow yeah. Yeah, yeah. stuff. 
Um, I assume that is also plastic of some sort. Like it can't be anything good. It is not biodegradable. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and it's gross to work with as a retail person. I don't like walking. Um, but I also think that it immediately can look very dated. If it gets a little bit dirty, it's harder to clean the flocking. And that's something that is more likely to become discolored if it is stored improperly. So I would avoid the flocking. You can always add other items in there. If you're looking for like the snow colored covered effect of like pine cones that are, are covered in like, you know, the white paint sort of, mm-hmm. I, I just don't try and go for the trendiest tree. Look for one that you're going to try and use, yeah. um, at least 12 years, according to somebody, but like, as long as you can, and that would be kind of the next alternative. Those are our tips for, for the fresh cut versus artificial tree debate. Settled it. It's over. <laughs> Well done. No one will talk about it again. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's the, the general consensus that's out there. Yeah. Yeah. But I like, I like all of those tips and suggestions too, to, to make whatever your choice is as sustainable as possible. But there are other Christmas tree options. There are other Christmas tree options. And I'm excited to talk about these too. Um, okay. So the first I'm going to talk about is live Christmas trees. And you might think like, didn't we just talk about live Christmas trees? <laughs> no, yours is dead. dead. <laughs> I have some very morbid thoughts sometimes when I'm like walking around being like, oh, the tree corpses that we've impaled on these stakes here. <laughs> Do oh, all the man. other trees look at them and think, what is happening? <laughs> um, no, people will bring in live trees um, with their roots intact and everything into their houses. Um, at our store, we call them B and B's, which is bald and burlapped. So basically, the roots are enclosed in burlap. Some prefer these over cut trees because they plant them afterwards, so they see them as a more sustainable alternative. If you live in the area I live, so some place that experiences a lot of seasons, you do not want to bring in your bald and burlapped Christmas tree into the house for really more than a week. So interesting. Yeah, something that like it sounds all well and good. But when you're really looking at the practical aspects of Christmas, it's a little Is that just because it'll kill the tree? Well, so basically what what you should do is you should um, acclimate it in like a garage or some sort of covered area for about a week um, from the true outdoors. Bring it in for a week. But if you leave it much longer than that, the tree will think it's spring Mm, and it will start- it will start forcing growth in the roots so that when you send it back outside, you should actually, again, give it another week of that kind of intermediate covered garage space and then acclimate it to go back outside. If you just like throw that tree outside, it'd be like, but I thought it was spring. And then the roots will try and grow when they are not supposed to. So it's really like you want to plan your holidays accordingly. If you live in a different area, maybe you have different advice. Maybe you have a milder winter and the trees around the area are experiencing climate very close to what's inside your house. Mm -hmm. This was not the case where I live. Also dig the hole before Christmas. Um, (laughs) Someone asked us a couple of weeks ago, they said, Hey, we really want to get one delivered. And then we're hoping that you'll plant it. And my dad was like, we will see because the ground is frozen before Christmas or after Christmas, like this makes all of this very challenging. Um, so dig the hole before Christmas. If you wait until afterwards, the ground might be frozen and then your poor tree, there are still ways to like, you can always mulch up around it and everything, but it's just not going to be planted right after Christmas. If the ground is frozen, it's not a good time to put a tree in the ground. So like 
that has not quite appealed to me in the same way yeah. as um, also all the things that are with the fresh cut Christmas trees are the same with the bald and burlapped, but they're way heavier. <laughs> so, <laughs> Um, and when you water them, you can water them with like ice cubes when they're inside to make them think it's like melting snow. Like you're tricking the tree, basically. Gotcha. You're kidnapping it and then tricking it and then you can send it back. Home. That's very interesting. And a lot of stuff that I hadn't thought about. I'm sure there would be some differences down here in Florida. So I would have yes. to research that, but yeah, that is interesting. Probably not going to be a viable option for me. Yeah. But well, the ones my artificial ones. Once you have a house, right? Yeah. Oh Yeah. Yeah, the ones that they do here are, um, at least at our store, are pines. The Christmas tree species that we use in the U.S. are oftentimes Fraser firs, which are really nice, Douglas firs, which are fluffy and smell really good, and then we got one that was a hybrid tree this year. It's a Canaan fir, but people use all sorts of different stuff. Douglas firs are native to the U.S., but they're native to the West Coast, and they are the tallest tree in the pine family, which is crazy. Fun facts you didn't want about <laughs> trees. You're welcome. Bonus. Um, I also saw it advertised. I don't know if you've saw, seen this. I've actually seen it a couple of times in UK and in, in the London area. There's a Christmas tree rental service. I have never heard that before. Maybe How they cool. were just like, let me target the demographic who would enjoy this yeah. Christmas tree lady. Um, I just love that it's an option. <laughs> right. So, so the, they basically have a potted tree. So it's a little bit more robust than mm -hmm. the bald and burlapped. Um, and it's much smaller. <laughs> and so you rent it, they keep it until it's like seven feet or higher when it's not really suitable to bring in the house again. And then it gets planted in a forest. So hopefully, you know, that's native and it helps biodiversity and that reduces, basically it's a net positive carbon sort of, maybe that's the wrong net positive, <laughs> net negative. You're sucking carbon out of the air. It's a good thing. We like that. There's of course transport costs and things like that, yeah. but that's pretty cool. Um, our friend Kayla, Hey Kayla, I don't know if you listen, but Hey, you just got a house plant. Yeah. It's so cute too. It is cute. So there's, um, like Norfolk pines, that uh, they're not real pines, but they look a lot like it that are kind of tropical plants that act enough and, and can pass as a Christmas tree. Um, we get really tiny ones and we'll put like little tiny ornaments and call them the Charlie Brown Christmas trees. Mm -hmm. So that's a really good alternative. I recommend like, you can get them anywhere from like a foot tall to four feet tall, get them from a local small business rather than the grocery store or a big box store, because I got mine from a big like grocery store last year. Normally we travel home for Christmas, but because of the pandemic, we couldn't. So that was the year that Andrew and I got a Christmas tree, quote unquote. And gotcha. it was one of these trees that was like probably three feet tall. And I was looking it up because I was excited to bring in the house. And then I did my research afterwards and found that a lot of those that are like commercially, commercially bred at that size, they treat so heavily with chemicals as they're growing and to prevent them from desiccating. So there's stuff that you can put on things that is biodegradable and organic and fine. There's other chemicals that stop the leaves from uh, allowing water out that is really bad for cats and dogs. So, um, so we couldn't actually bring in our Christmas tree until like the day of Christmas. And then I brought it in and then we put our presents under it. And then I brought it out the next Aww. day and it sat on our covered porch and it ended up just dying because what was, I couldn't do anything with it. Right. Like it, it wasn't native nearby. It wasn't a good fit for our, our region. And I couldn't bring in the house because my pets didn't like it. So do your research. If you're going to bring something home, you want to make sure that your cats and dogs or whatever pets, children, who knows, 
don't numb on it and get sick from chemicals or by natural toxins as well. Right. I, this is something that I thought about doing this year though, since I won't have my tree is just getting a little houseplant. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like a, a cheaper way. It is a smaller way, especially for someone who's in an apartment or um, lives by themselves that you can still kind of have your little Christmas magic. And it is nice that it's like, like, I like that. We all need a little nature in our lives. And then the other option is you can go artificial, but you don't have to go plastic. Yeah. Like your uh, German wooden box Christmas tree. I've seen people do trees out of books. Oh, yep. Yep. That's a good one. I like those. They'll build so you can get a little creative. You can do garlands that you like hang in a Christmas tree pattern on the wall, make it more mm-hmm. like a 2D one. That's great. If you have pets that you're worried about that you can kind of like hang out of their reach um, and you can still put ornaments on like little thumbtacks or, or nails in the wall. That way you can suspend ornaments just from the ceiling in kind of a tree pattern. If you want to, there are so many alternatives out there. So if neither of these options, this, this fresh cut or plastic artificial are good options for you, there are lots of things that you can do. And the book option you can do with stuff in your house already. Yeah. <laughs> you don't just, have to buy just anything. decorate your furniture. <laughs> <laughs> Put a pole up and hang a sheet over it. There's like lots of options you have out there. So you can have fun, be creative. The less things that you buy, the generally better. So if you do decide to go reusable, but non-plastic, just try and use it year after year, try and make it something that you put up, whether it's your main tree or one of those decorations that lives in your house as well during that time period. And those are, are, are ways that you can have a Christmas tree party without a Christmas tree. I love it. So many options. So many options. The, the last little leftover bit I wanted to talk about lights. Oh yeah. It's pretty easy. Um, LEDs are generally the best choice. Um, mm. well, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, and they're pretty much everywhere. Unless you're looking for a gold star LED. Apparently those don't exist, but, uh, give it a couple years. It'll happen. But yeah, yeah. There's so many different options now. And I know people used to complain about like the, the quality is the wrong word, but like the, the hue of the white lights. Yeah. And, but they, I, they've gotten so much better. I, I love my white LED lights that I have. So yeah. Um, use the ones you have as long as you can, but yeah, when it's time to get new ones, get LEDs and that's mostly what they're offering. But you can also think about that when you're replacing, like we used to put candles in the windows, Mm -hmm. the little electric candles with the bulbs, replace them with LEDs when they burn out. Like those are options. And then your old lights can be recycled. So Mm -hmm. local hardware stores, your local zoo might have a program. Um, Earth 911, again, great place to, to check out for recycling lights. They're kind of like electronics. So um, there's spaces for you to recycle those. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks for settling the debate. Settling the great Casey, debate. And telling us what the greenest Christmas tree is. You're so welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Stick around, everybody. We have your challenge for the week coming up. All right, guys, we're back with our challenge for the week. It's have a Christmas tree plan. It's pretty simple. So 
if you have an artificial, reevaluate how you're storing it. You're making sure that's good condition. How are we going to extend the life of that tree for as long as you can? If you're buying an artificial, use the tips that we have above. Please, please, please don't buy a pre-lit tree. And if you're getting a real Christmas tree, have an after-holiday plan. So you can check out Earth 911 for local recycling places. That could include your local hardware store, local composting places, your city's municipal department, lots of different places. Might recycle your Christmas tree, but trying to never throw out a tree again. And just for funsies, you should share pictures of your Christmas tree if it's up and you can tell us your plan in the comments. You can let your kind of other followers on your, your page know that, that there are options and, and that you've been thoughtful about the tree that fits your lifestyle personally and fits the, the intent that you have with the environment and being sustainable in all aspects of life, including the holidays. So Sarah, where can they share these You can share it with us on Facebook. We are at a little greener podcast. You can share it with us on Instagram as well at a little greener pod on Instagram. I mean, if you want to email us pictures of your Christmas tree, you can, we we can post it for you. Also, it'll just bring me joy to see, send me, send me your trees since I can't have a tree of my own. Uh, How many times am I going to whine about this tonight? Um, But you can email (laughs) us at a little greener pod podcast at gmail.com. Uh, whether you're completing your homework or you just have questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach out to us there. Yeah. Or maybe you're part of the National Christmas Tree Association and you want to tell me that artificials are really the best, greenest <laughs> option. Yes. Let's get into it. Let's talk. <laughs> um, but thanks for listening again, guys. And um, we haven't said it in a while, but if you're still listening and you haven't rated or reviewed our podcast, that helps us reach new listeners. If you have holiday traditions from other countries or other religions that you want either to talk about, we can read some emails on the pod, or if you have any questions, I was looking up some Hanukkah ways to make things a little bit greener. Um, We're going to talk about more holiday traditions. So I'd love to hear from you guys, but otherwise, Sarah, we'll talk to them next week, right? Absolutely. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay safe.